Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. From the den, this is The Howl. We would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. All right, so we start off this episode with our last game as far as review is concerned, and that was the most recent game, which was the Wolves taking on the Indiana Pacers. This was a game, if we look at last season, we actually struggled a bit playing against the Pacers in that first game because that was when Jimmy Butler was out. So that's something to keep in mind going into this one is that both teams are basically sitting at full strength going into the game. Obviously, when we get into the game, uh, we'll talk about how that changed just a little bit. Going on to some uh, status report and some recent news for the Timberwolves coming into this one, uh, center Justin Patton, he did undergo surgery on September 18th to repair the fifth metatarsal in his right foot, and he is still sidelined indefinitely, is going to be out most of the season. Recent transactions, uh, the Wolves uh, on October 13th, uh, we actually waived guards Canyon Berry, Darius Johnson Odom, and Jonathan Stark, and forward William Lee. We did uh, sign Canyon Berry and William Lee those same days uh, with the hope uh, they'll be moving down then to our G League affiliate, the Iowa Wolves. So uh, a couple things to keep in mind there. Uh, looking at our overall record, we come into this game 1-2. and two. Again, we can move to 2-2, two and two, and if we win this game, uh, the Pacers would actually drop. Uh, from two and one to two and two, so uh, you know, a pretty pretty important game because early on in the season, it'd be nice to get to back to five hundred, and you're taking on an opponent that's played really well this season. 
Uh, Pacers have had a phenomenal bench. Uh, in fact, uh, coming into this game, they are the number one bench in terms of scoring uh, for production in the NBA. Uh, kind of taking a look ahead, by the way, um, most of the games, uh, so the next five games coming up, including this one, uh, were, uh, are going to be FSN, and this one was FSN as well. So there's lots of stuff kind of to look at coming into this one. As far as uh, last season is concerned, uh, we kind of mentioned the games, and it was kind of the a, kind of a dis- different in terms of uh, the away games. So the Wolves actually played pretty poorly at home, ended up losing 130 to 107. Again, that was the game that Jimmy Butler did not play in. The Wolves actually go to Indiana, and we end up winning that one 107 to 90. So kind of an interesting deal. The Pacers have won the last four games they played at Target Center. Uh, dating to a, a 104-91 Minnesota win on in 2014 was the last time that we won at home against them. Now, they've never won five times in a row. So this would be a pretty big uh, step in the right direction for the Pacers. Definitely have some stuff to prove uh, both teams. In terms of all-time results, I think this is kind of interesting. So overall, when we've played in Minnesota, we're 13-15. and 15. At Indiana, 7-21. and 21. So kind of interesting. Overall... Uh, the Wolves are, they've won one. Uh, at home, they've lost four, as we talked about. And on the road, they've won two. So kind of interesting there. Uh, as far as the biggest win, the Wolves' biggest win against the Pacers uh, happened in 2011. That was 101-75. to So a, a pretty solid win there, 26 points. Biggest loss happened in 1995, where we are at Indiana, 114-75. to So Pretty ugly. 75, by the way, apparently is the number that comes into play in a lot of these games. So that is something to consider as well. As far as the actual game is concerned, there's definitely lots of things to like from this one. The Wolves come into this as arguably the worst defense in basketball. Aaron has gone on record, as we've talked about numerous times. He thinks the Wolves are going to end up being the worst team in basketball on this season. And I, I really hope that's not the case, but if it is, I'll be honest, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. The good news is you can throw that out the window as the Wolves played fantastic defense tonight. Now, it's a little twofold, I would say. It's not just the Wolves playing good defense. I do think that Indiana struggled a bit at times shooting. But think about this. 91 points is all we let the Pacers score. That is fantastic. That is a huge improvement. Going into this game, we're, we were letting up way more points than this. So we end up winning this game 101-91. to a few players that uh, I want to touch on. We talk about Derrick Rose a little bit. He's played pretty solid. This was not his best game, but he did have some plays that were pretty pretty impressive. I, I continue to be wowed by some of his uh, dribbling and his speed. Uh, I watched him quite a bit when he played for the Bulls, but obviously not as much as I should have because I'm still shocked. And this is after after the surgeries that he's had. I, I'm very impressed at just how fast he is. But in this game, he did shoot 4 of 12. Uh, 3 of 3 at the line, which was nice, but 0 of 4 from 3. Jim Peterson touched on this during the game. A lot of times when Derrick Rose shoots, you know it's not going in. Because when he shoots a 3-pointer, it's really weird. Uh, sometimes he, it's almost like he tries to jump out of the gym and have this really high release point. And that's, that's, not, that's not necessary. As Jim Pete points out, You know, some guys will shoot it actually on their way up. Uh, Me personally, uh, when I actually shoot, I always make sure to keep in mind that my legs, so legs are a huge component to shooting uh, jump shots, and not everyone understands that. A lot of guys use a lot of arm, 
And that's where you're going to see a downfall with a lot of players. I tweeted this out actually last week. The game, the home game uh, Friday for the Wolves, me and Kevin actually got there quite early and we were able to watch a lot of the shoot around. And we were watching specifically Derrick Rose taking threes early on. He was one of the only guys on the court and he could be, he, he almost couldn't miss. It was just three after three after three and the form looked pretty good. Now he's, he's never really going to be a guy that shoots uh, a high arc. It's even when he, when he makes it or misses it, it's pretty low. Uh, and sometimes he has what, uh, you sometimes hear the term a scud missile when a guy kind of just, it's almost like a pitch just goes like straight at it. He's not that bad, but some of them are. And he had a couple in this game that looked like that. And like Jim Peterson said, he lets go. And, and on one of the shots, he's like, you knew that wasn't going in. And so he does have to work on consistency. He has a little bit of that Ricky Rubio syndrome where he looks great in practice. And then you get into the game and the shot looks completely different. We're seeing some of that because when you watch him in the pregame, he does have a pretty good looking jump shot. So that's going to have to change going forward. Or he just has to stop shooting threes. The, the tough part is he likes to drive. And when he's able to consistently hit you know, one to two threes a game, that helps to set that up. And he's able to drive a little, a little easier. Did have a couple nice impressive plays, though, as far as uh, driving are concerned. And again, we see the same thing we've seen all year. I love that he's willing to not only rebound the basketball. I mean, just two in this game. But you definitely see him getting in there. Five assists, very impressed with Derrick Rose, his ability to uh, move the basketball. But again, going back to the defensive end, it's almost non-existent. Now, the difference between him and some players, look, if you think back to Kevin Martin, when Kevin Martin played defense, you could tell there was lack of effort. When Derrick Rose is out there, at no point am I saying to myself it's lack of effort. He, he sometimes just isn't the smartest defender. He's a lot of times undersized, just given the matchups that we do, but he had a couple nice plays in this one where he walled up, tried to draw a charge on a couple times. Uh, he had one where he uh, walled up and, and jumped, kept his hands straight up, and actually as a result of kind of forcing that opponent to take a weird angle on their shot, Carl Towns was able to get a block. So if he can continue uh, maybe in the right direction, I definitely thought he was better, him specifically. Like the team was better as a whole, but Derrick Rose definitely played better, uh, and he did play 26 minutes. Uh, a couple of the big storylines in this one, though, were Andrew Wiggins and Josh Akogi. So Andrew Wiggins kind of uh, bumped his quad on a guy's knee with about seven or six minutes uh, to go in the first. He did play through it for a bit, but eventually he did go to the locker room and he never came back. They uh, diagnosed it or they described it during the game as a quad contusion. In talking with Andrew Wiggins, he does not think that there's any issues long-term. He should be back to go uh, for the next game, which is good to see. He's a player that we do want. I know some people like to – he's very polarizing. People like to rip him for this and that, but he's a player you definitely want on the floor. But when he wasn't there, the guy that stepped up and got minutes, Josh Okogi, was incredibly impressive. I'm telling you right now, I'm driving that bandwagon. And if you want to jump on, now's the time. But don't jump off again if he doesn't get minutes. If he doesn't get minutes once Andrew Wiggins comes back or if he loses out to Wiggins, Rose, Tyus Jones, those guys, that's okay. Uh, I mean, it's not ideal. You'd prefer that he get minutes. But with Tom Thibodeau at the helm, uh, you just don't know what you're going to expect to see, which is a, a very big difference to what you're seeing with the Pacers. They touched on how they have so many different players that are averaging 20 minutes a game. They really stretch out. Um, how many minutes each person's getting. And what's nice about that is then you hold Victor Oladipo to around 30 minutes a game, and I do think that makes a big difference in terms of long-term. You know, over the years, there's a reason why the Spurs have held players out early in the season. 
and and that's part of it. You want them to be able to last the long haul. You want them to be available when it came comes down to the playoffs, that sort of thing. There's lots of things to look for in regards to that. Uh, a couple other players to kind of touch on. I did think Towns uh, put up a pretty good uh, stat line as far as his defense was solid. You know, he ended up having uh, just two blocks, four fouls, but how about 15 rebounds, 17 points. You definitely saw the effort on the defensive end. What's crazy is when I was watching this game at times, you'd see Jimmy Butler kind of just standing around. He definitely looked like he was conserving his energy a bit more in this game than you see in others. But like Jim Peterson said, all of a sudden you look and he's got 10 points and he's leading the team. And it was very quiet. So Jimmy Butler always finds a way to get his. I think 20 points in this one, uh, three rebounds, three assists, but four turnovers. That definitely hurt a little bit. But you do get a couple blocks, uh, four fouls. Sorry, two fouls for uh, for uh, Jimmy Butler. But uh, turnovers, uh, 15 turnovers isn't isn't that bad. But when seven of those come from Carl Towns and Jimmy Butler combined, and you add uh, another one from Jeff Teague as well, Talk about that. That's eight right there. Taj Gibson, your other starter, another three. That's 11 turnovers from your starters. Uh, thank goodness the one big caveat in this one, the bench was fantastic. We talked about how the Pacers had one of the best benches, if not the best bench, statistically scoring-wise in the NBA, and we actually outplayed them. Our bench definitely outplayed them. Uh, the player that does not get enough love sometimes, I think, is Tyus Jones. Listen to, if you have not yet, Jimmy Butler after the game. I think Tyus Jones' biggest fan is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler loves, loves, loves Tyus Jones. And Tyus Jones continues to play really well. He's not shooting the greatest, but four rebounds, four assists, three steals. He's actually statistically one of the best defenders on the team. If you look at a a really popular statistic for me is a field goal percentage difference. So how well the player shoots when you're guarding him versus anyone else guards him. Uh, Derrick Rose going into this game, for example, was a minus tw- or was a plus twelve. So players are shooting twelve percent better when they're going up against Derrick Rose. Whereas uh, not only is Tyus Jones in the negative, I don't know the specific number offhand. It's in the negative, but he actually leads the team in that statistic. So he's definitely putting up the effort on on both ends, which I really appreciate. So overall, very solid victory for the Wolves. Uh, a couple nice things I want to mention is, first of all, Josh Okogie, just an incredible defender. He is going to be really good. He already does a lot of the things that we wish Wiggins did at a higher level, although Wiggins is trending in that direction as far as uh, passing and rebounding. Josh Okogie is a willing passer. He's able to, he runs in there. He's constantly moving. He's always on the run, which I really appreciate. And one thing you saw from him in this game that maybe you didn't see at first was he initially was a little bit kind of like a chicken with its head cut off where he was just kind of running around. You didn't always see the purpose. He definitely seemed to play with more of a purpose in this game and was definitely a little more controlled. And, and long-term, that's going to be super important for us. And we're going to need that to continue if the, the Wolves are going to be uh, successful long-term with Josh Okogie, especially once Butler's gone. Depending on what the return is, Josh Okogie could get some pretty good minutes. And so that's going to need to uh, continue. You know, I think a good nickname might be for Josh Okogie might be the, not Josh Okogie, sorry. What could be a good nickname for Victor Oladipo is like the ballerina. The guy just puts, you know, he's all over the place, throwing his hands up, spins, and, and I mean, he's just able to get uh, shots off that are really impressive. When he was coming out of the draft, it was such a weak draft class, you're thinking, and all of a sudden, Victor Oladipo, what an act. What a fantastic trade this ended up being for the Pacers. You know, at the time, you started, you kind of wondered, was this full value for a Paul George? You didn't really know because Victor Oladipo hadn't really shown a ton 
and and now he gets to the Pacers, and not only is he a leader on the court, he's a leader off the court as well. And I've been very impressed with him. Uh, looking at his stat line here, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and a block. Just super impressive what he's able to do on the court. Kind of a funny stat line. Bohan Bogdanovich, the player that actually, if you watch the game, at one point was so frustrated by Josh Okogie, literally just grabbed him and threw him to the ground. Very lucky he did not get a technical or a flagrant because it was, it was not a basketball play. He literally just grabs him and throws him to the ground. So kind of an interesting play there. But 20 points, he was a minus 18. So Bohan uh, Bogdanovich definitely has uh, to improve in that area. Uh, the other guy that I was a little surprised with is a guy I have on my fantasy team, actually, Miles Turner, 16 points, but just three rebounds and one assist. Just not much there in terms of statistics. Five fouls. I definitely thought that Carl Towns won that battle in this one. By the way, if you're wondering why their bench is so good, look at some of these names. Doug McDermott, Tyreek Evans, Kyle O'Quinn, Corey Joseph, DeMontis Sabonis. That's a bench. That is a solid, solid bench. And so you've got really good production uh, top to bottom on this team. And so, again, this is absolutely a solid victory for the Wolves. And hopefully they can continue that momentum into this next stretch of games. There's definitely going to be some take a look ahead with our preview segment and we're going to start that off with an interview that Kevin recently did with Mike Bassetti from Raptors Rapture previewing the Wolves Toronto Raptors game that takes place at Scotiabank Arena uh, October 24th that's uh, 6 30 Central Standard Time 7 30 Eastern Standard Time that's going to be on uh, Fox Sports North and Radio WCCO 8 30 a.m. and so here we have that interview all right, Wednesday night, October 24th in the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. The Wolves take on the Raptors. This is their last road game before a three-game home stretch, and we are joined by Mike Bassetti. Mike, once again, I got to say thanks for taking some time to, uh, to join us here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Mike is uh, part of RaptorsRapture.com. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Bo Sports, and he will be your go-to for the Raptors. Now, Mike, we we have a new look Raptors team here, if you will. Uh, the the big news, obviously, Kawhi Leonard trade. Uh, you guys grabbing him and and getting rid of Demar Derozan. Now, what were what was kind of your take on giving up Demar at this point in time and and getting a guy like Kawhi Leonard? Well, obviously. When you look at it on the basketball court, I think you would be hard-pressed to find anyone that believes DeMar DeRozan is a better player than Kawhi Leonard on the court. I think where, you know, kind of the valuation and where the risk comes in on the trade is obviously with the longevity of their contract and knowing can Kawhi, and knowing Kawhi can walk after this year. With that being said, I think Toronto was at a point where they knew they had to take a risk and they thought making the deal for Kawhi at that time was worth doing, uh, kind of, you know, increasing their risk profile in order to increase their ceiling. I mean, it, it, at least to me, and I don't know if, if Raptor fans kind of felt this way as well, but I felt like you guys kind of got a little bit of a steal for Kawhi with what you gave up. I mean, De- DeMar DeRozan's a great player, but like you said, nobody that, that follows the NBA even remotely close thinks that DeMar is a better, you know, player than, than Kawhi. And you, know, you give up, uh, you know, Pirtle as well, and you get Danny Green back. So, I mean, did did were Toronto fans happy with what you gave up to get him? Absolutely. I I think there's always a portion that, 
you know, values what you have and values DeMar DeRozan as the superstar. I shouldn't say superstar, probably just a star player who stayed with the Raptors franchise and they valued his loyalty. But I think the majority of fans understood that the value you were giving up was just far less than what you were receiving back with Kawhi Leonard. You're talking the difference between uh, maybe a top 20 player to a top five player. And I think that's just a huge gap to, uh, to gain back in one trade. And the fact that they did that by only giving up Jakob Pertl, perhaps their fourth best young prospect, is really the amazing part to me. The other big news that we saw over the uh, the summer here was the firing of coach Dwayne Casey. Uh, now, you know, Dwayne Casey has some Minnesota ties as well, but, you know, he was pretty consistent in Toronto. But, I mean, my guess is that, what, it was just him not being able to get over the hump and get that championship as to uh, as to why he was let go? Yeah, I think there was a lack of playoff adjustments that you saw in the Cavs series. Dwayne Casey was coached pretty out, out coached pretty badly by Tyron Lue. I think that spoke volumes. Uh, one of the things that happened was, you know, a CJ Miles being posted up by Kevin Love over and over, and there was a lack of adjustments. And you kind of saw it there was kind of the microgasm of the season and the lack of adjustment and lack of experimentation with this roster. I will say I'm not sure if he would have been fired if this if they were totally 100% sure that this Kawhi trade was going to happen. I think it's an interesting question to ask. I think that Coach Casey certainly did a lot of great things for this franchise, but I also think that it was time to kind of get a new voice in there. So the the new voice that that uh, Mike's talking about here is Nick Nurse, who was an assistant on uh, on Dwayne Casey's staff, I believe. Uh, now, uh, both uh, Rob Hess, the, my co-host, and myself play a lot of NBA 2K. And if you do the the franchise mode and you go through the coach of the year, it seems almost every single time is Nick Nurse. So is, is this something, do you feel that Nick Nurse is, is the the answer coaching-wise that, Rap, that the Raptors might be looking for? Personally, yes. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Nick Nurse from everything that I understand and everything that we've seen so far. It looks like he wants to modernize the team. One of those things has been kind of playing Serge Ibaka as a traditional center and playing more four-round one lineups, which I think is more in line with what the NBA is moving towards. I think Coach of the Year would probably be a bold prediction for him to do that. I think Toronto would have to win an ungodly amount of games here in the regular season, but as far as a coaching upgrade, I think that you can definitely at least expect there's a chance that Nurse will be an upgrade basketball-wise. The question is, can he be an upgrade in the other areas that Casey excelled at? What uh, what would be your prediction for the the Raptors this season? Uh, given that you know, a couple new new players, couple you know, the new coaching staff, new coaching system. What do you think is a realistic expectation for the Raptors this year? Right, so they won 59 games last season. The roster, I believe, is better this year. I think that they'll have a little bit more of a competition with Boston to to win that number one overall seed. And, you know, competition pushes teams oftentimes towards playing their starters towards the end of the year. With that being said, I think the biggest question is how they integrate those pieces and how long it takes them to integrate with each other. I would say something similar to last year. I think 60 wins would be the goal for this team. Anything above that you would be happy with. And I think 
you know, anything less than 55, 54 is where you start to worry some. Now let's, let's get into the, the matchup here with the Timberwolves. Uh, you know, the, the Wolves have been kind of facing some, some adversity, if you will, in the, the Jimmy Butler saga here in Minneapolis. And it's, it's been the, uh, the talk of, of local news ever since. Uh, so we're kind of given predictions and, and going on this matchup of with, with Jimmy being here in Minnesota for this game. Uh, how do you think the Raptors match up against the Timberwolves? What's going on with Jimmy Butler? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you scared me for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it will be an interesting matchup. Obviously, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is one of the guys that would you would kind of prescribe as a center that would give JV some trouble. Jonas Valanciunas, that is. I would say that I think the Raptors are the better all better all around team right now. Also playing at home gives them an advantage. With that being said, obviously the talent level at the top of the Timberwolves is enough that on any given night they can win that matchup. You know, Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns will have two of the top three players in a league as the NBA that's driven by stars, as you know. They always have a puncher's chance with that. I think that Toronto has the advantage here, but it certainly wouldn't shock me to see a Timberwolves victory. I'm I'm very intrigued as to who Tom Thibodeau puts on Kawhi. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my my thought process is Jimmy if Jimmy is around, and I'm I'm very excited for that matchup to kind of see how that goes. Uh, you know, for me, when you look at the kind of the top down, I mean the the Kyle Lowry Jeff Teague matchup. I, I have to say I kind of favor Kyle Lowry in that in the fact of Jeff Teague doesn't play a lot of defense really nobody except for Jimmy on this team seems to uh but I I do like the Wolves bigs Taj Gibson looks pretty good um that that matchup between him and Ibaka if Ibaka ends up guarding him I think would be one of the one of the better matchups that we see here early on in the season well I I believe that only one of either Ibaka or JV will start and if I had to guess I would say that it's probably going to be on a matchup by matchup basis to start the season so my guess would be Abaka would start at the center matchup with OG and Anobi at power forward to match up with Taj Gibson. You know, OG is a guy that uh, Rob and I have talked a lot about and and really liked the, the the pick for the Raptors. What have you seen in his game growth-wise so far? Probably like reception. Well, I've been sitting here all day. Yeah, I've been way. sitting in this waiting room. Uh, so I don't know. If I'm guessing it was him. And I've been waiting on my friends. Yes, I'm waiting on this conference call all alone. He's messaging me now. Well, yes, I'm on hold. I hope it's not all day. Hey! Well, I wonder where they are. Yes, I wonder where my friends have gone. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? Tell me, where could they be while I'm waiting on this conference call? I don't know. Well, I'm holding on my phone. Yes, I'm holding on the line. <laughs> 
don't know where they are I don't know why I'm still alone I'm a whole There we go Hey, sorry about that. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm in the same spot, so I'm not sure why it dropped. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, so we'll just, uh, we'll just pick it back up and I'll have Rob edit all of that out once, uh, okay. all the, the go time. So, okay. Sounds good. So speaking of OG, uh, that, that's a guy that Rob and I have, you know, talked a lot about and we were very happy, uh, that he got, you know, picked up and, and kind of sad that it was the Raptors that got him instead of the Wolves. What have you seen from him in his time in the league and his growth from from you know year one to year two? First off, I just it was amazing to me. I thought me as well as a lot of other people kind of thought that he would be rusty off to start the gate, and he really came in ready to play from day one for the Raptors, and that was really an exciting thing. He started, I believe, seventy three games for Toronto last season, so. That was really exciting, seeing him coming into the league so ready when he was known to be more of a raw prospect. What we've seen so far is, you know, a real development defensively, aggressiveness, and ability to kind of guard the top-tier matchup. With Kawhi Leonard, obviously there isn't as much of a concern to guard the best player on a night-in, night-out basis. But when you have someone like Kawhi, you don't want to make him exert so much energy on the defense then that he's not able to help you offensively. So I think OG serves as a second punch to Kawhi Leonard defensively. And then offensively, he was extremely efficient last year. He's not a high-volume guy. I don't think he really has the ability to be a high-volume guy yet at this point in his career. But he's very efficient in the times he does choose to attack, and I think that that's something that the Raptors need from him. So... um, uh... I, you may have already mentioned him, but I'm going to ask you this question for, for Wolves fans that aren't, you know, super familiar with the Raptors outside of uh, Lowry and, and Kawhi. And I'll even go Serge Ibaka. Cause he was a guy that Minnesota kind of looked at in free agency a little bit as well before he resigned. Who is, who is one Raptors player this season that you, you think might exceed their expectations? Uh, kind of that, that breakout breakout season for the Raptors. Well, I think OG really has a chance to kind of rise to that 25 or 26 minutes per game and kind of increase the scoring output. But I've talked about him, so I'll pick someone else. I think the guy is DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright's entering his fourth season into the league. He is entering a contract season. He has all the skill set. He has the ability to drive. He was a above-average shooter from three-point range last season. He's not an extremely gifted shooter. He's not going to draw defenses in off the bounce or anything like that. But he does everything well. You really have a hard time finding a weakness in his game. He's not someone that I think kind of jumps off the screen when you're watching him. But he's someone that you can plug in. He does a lot of different things. He can guard one through three pretty consistently. And is just a really efficient player. He's someone that I think he's going to get on the free agent market and kind of draw some offers that will shock some people this off season. And I think he's due for a big year. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to this one, but what do you think the, 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 the score is going to be? What's your, what's your prediction for this Wolves Raptors matchup here early in the season? I think it's going to be a fast paced matchup. Toronto, at least early on is going to look to run a lot. Obviously the Wolves, 
haven't been the greatest defensive squad despite Tibbs billing. I'll say a 124-112 final score with the Raptors winning. The Raptors winning. Okay. That's, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of in that same boat. It's it's going to be, you know, obviously it's going to be dependent if Jimmy's around at that point in time, uh, how, just how close the game actually is. But uh, I, I think you and I are in agreement that the Raptors will pull that one out. Uh, Mike, before I let you go, uh, you know, give us uh, give us your social media. Give us uh, a little bit of a plug here. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Mike Bo Sports. If you're ever in the mood to check out some Raptors stuff, go to RaptorsRapture.com. We have a lot of coverage that will be coming to you throughout the season right now. We are kind of loading up on all our preseason predictions, and even into the beginning of the season, we'll talk about some of the key factors that will face the Raptors this season and who to keep an eye on. All right, Mike, again, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk to you here a little bit later on in the season. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for Mike joining us here on The Howl. Again, you're listening to The Howl on Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. Before we move on to the next matchup, I will just mention that I personally, my prediction is going to be that the Wolves do lose to the Raptors. I think it's going to be a close one. You know, the two losses we have so far in the year, we've it's been a combined eight points we lost by. So I do think we lose by single digits. But the Raptors are playing at such a high level. Now, do I hope that the Wolves can take the momentum from that this most recent win? I do, but I do think it's going to be tough playing on the road. Moving on to the next matchup, and this is going to be a home game. It's a, We take on the 3-0 Bucks. Bucks have played really well early on. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of a game we get from the Wolves. Hopefully they can uh, keep up uh, some momentum like we talked about. Uh, we're starting to play better defense, at least in one game. And let's see if we can maybe spin that into uh, more so. But on top of that, you're playing a Bucks team that has, you guessed it, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has been absolutely phenomenal early on in the season. Again, they're undefeated, so it's going to be a really tough matchup. But it is the border battle. It is a home game. It's a Friday night. I do think that the Wolves end up taking this game. A lot of it's going to be dependent on uh, Andrew Wiggins, for example. Now, we don't actually know how long he's going to be out for sure, although it does sound like he's going to be back immediately. And if he is in the game, it's going to be crucial that he is able to shut down Giannis and play some solid defense on him or anyone else, depending on if there's switches, depending on who actually the matchups end up being. But that's going to be a very important matchup to watch, who is able to guard him. On top of that, you have Chris Middleton, just a fantastic shooter. You're going to have to stop him. But again, I do think the Wolves win this one probably in that like 8-10 to 10 range. I think it's what we end up seeing. But that's going to be a really fun game to look forward to coming up. And that is Friday, October 26th. As far as a game time, since it is in Minnesota, it does place, take place at 8 p.m. Eastern time and 7 p.m. Central time. And that game will be on Fox Sports North. After that, the Wolves' next game is going to take place going to take place monday october 29th that is a home game so it is on we're taking on lebron and the lakers currently as we sit here recording the lakers are zero and three now they did lose a close one to the spurs they are probably going to be very hungry at that point but again i think wolves take it now i will add a caveat some of this is going to depend on jimmy butler and what games he plays or does not play but i think the way we're seeing josh akogi start to grow even if jimmy butler does not play I think we do end up taking this one. I think this one could be um, probably 
maybe in that like 10 to 15 range as far as wins go. But I do think we win this one. This is going to be an NBA TV and a Fox Sports North game, 8 p.m. Eastern time and 7 p.m. Central Standard time. Uh, so, again, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, make sure you catch us Wednesdays from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, and the replay is on Saturdays. That's going to be 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere great podcasts are found. Let me get a howl.